Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rain, the power of you, a podcast about becoming the leader of your life and truly succeeding on your terms. I'm your host, Sharon Bakir. You might know me on Instagram as The Empowerist. Listening here will give you everything I've learned in 10 years of leadership coaching, as well as myself having survived death, trauma, and recovery to thrive once again. I've created this podcast for people just like you who are on the brink of transformation and ready to live powerfully in every part of your life. Every episode focuses on life fulfillment, self-esteem, and deep growth. We give you the tools, strategies, and techniques to apply so that you can live your most powerful life. Plus, we regularly feature humans who are serious badasses to keep you inspired. I love hearing from my community. So wherever you're listening from, drop me a photo or screenshot on Instagram and remember to say hi with a tag. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Today, I wanted to talk about having a healthy boundaries framework for our lives. Now, this has been, simply put, one of the most life-changing things I've done in my life. Having a set of policy and procedures around how I deal with energy zappers, motivational blocks, people, environments, as well as situations that don't align with my values or the outcomes I want for my life has been groundbreaking and life-changing. Now, what is a healthy boundaries framework? For me, it's a little bit of a manifesto. It's something that helps me make decisions around how I deal with difficult things. I believe that setting boundaries is one of the most important skills we can learn as a grown-up, right? But further to that, the act of setting the boundary meaning the point at which we say, I don't want you to do this. Can you please not do that to me? I would prefer not to get involved in that situation. That moment is actually the point at which it is maybe a little bit too late to assert ourselves because the fact that we've had to set that boundary means that we've already expended energy thinking about setting the boundary. We've already had to think about how to set that boundary. And we're probably feeling really awkward and uncomfortable about setting the boundary because we weren't sure what to do about it in the first place. And so here's where your healthy boundaries framework comes in. Your framework, simply put, is a set of this is how I will deal with life rules. It gives you a sense of control around what you will and will not engage with. It makes decision making around boundary setting much easier and much more simple. It allows you to set boundaries without emotion, meaning because this is a rule and a policy you have for your life, then this is just the procedure I have to take to prevent myself from being impacted negatively by this. A boundary framework is unique to you. It is something that you have to design and calibrate for the kind of life that you want to lead. Today, I wanted to share with you the boundaries framework that I personally use in making difficult decisions, getting myself out of awkward situations, and definitely disengaging with things that don't align with my values or vision of how I want to live my life. The first thing on my boundaries framework says, say no to things you can't do, say no to things you don't want to do. Life is short. We can't spend our life engaging in things that are not a hell yes. If you're lukewarm about something, if you're half-hearted about something, If you feel like something is not going to improve your life in some way or something is not going to enhance the way you view life or your relationship with that person, then it's really simple. You don't have to do it. Society might expect you to do it. The person you're engaging with might expect you to do it. Your family and friends might be putting pressure on you to do it. Your workplace might expect you to do it. 
But you don't have to intrinsically do anything. Inherently, we are free agents. Inherently, we have the power to say no to something if we don't want to do it, if it disaligns with our values, if it misaligns with what we think it means to be a good human being. And frankly, just if it doesn't contribute towards our goals. So if you're half-hearted, lukewarm, or you simply don't want to do something, don't do it. This is the first one on my boundary framework, simply because I've realized that life is too short to be half-hearted about anything. Number two on my boundary framework is leave situations that are harmful. They don't have to be extremely harmful, okay? A situation can be merely insidious, meaning it has some negative vibes to it, some negative energy, which is impacting my ability to be motivated, happy, or joyful, A situation might be harmful because I feel it is triggering a past trauma I might have. It might bring up feelings that are really negative to me. Leave situations that are harmful is something I wish we all learned as children. I think so many of us as adults have sat in situations that we knew were harming us in some way, but we didn't just get up and leave and disengage with it because we thought it was the tough thing to stick it out or because quitting would make us look like losers, or maybe because we didn't want to disrupt the fine balance of someone's energy or the way they interact with us. Maybe we didn't want to offend someone. The reality is we don't have to offend anyone, and we don't have to disbalance a status quo. We can simply choose to disengage with things that are harmful to us. And so, as a result, this is number two in my boundary framework. Leave situations that are harmful the moment it becomes harmful. Number three, Tell other people how you want to be treated. Now, for this one, it gets a little bit tricky because you don't want to be that person who's trying to control everybody's interactions with you. You don't want to be that person that's saying, oh, well, I will not be your friend if you don't treat me in this particular way, or I define friendship as this way of being, and if you define friendship differently, then we can't be friends. You don't want to be that person. I'm not asking you to try and control the interactions and relationships and the connections we have with the people in our lives. Telling Other people, how you want to be treated, for me, links directly to just letting people know what isn't okay. So if someone is speaking poorly to you, if someone is being really harassing towards you, if someone is angry towards you, if someone is being rude, divisive, racist, and offensive to you, you can say, thank you, but I prefer to be spoken to in a polite way. Thank you, but that tone doesn't sit well with me. I'm sorry, but I'm unable to engage in this conversation unless we can both stay calm. You are well within your right to assert yourself of how you want to be treated, particularly when someone is unfairly emotionally dumping on you. Now, the fourth thing on my boundaries framework is to share personal information only when you feel comfortable. This is a big one because we don't really see this as part of boundary setting. I think a lot of us see this as a privacy thing right? The reality is that when we share a piece of information before we feel comfortable to do so, what it does is it erodes our sense of self-worth and self-esteem because it tells our sense of self, it tells that little ego, it tells our heart. We have prioritized someone's desire to know information over our desire to keep it private. Sharing information is really powerful. Sharing is a really core central part of the human desire to live. However, we must share and only share when we feel comfortable to do so, when we feel like the people we are sharing with are safe enough to do so. On the flip side of that, don't engage in conversations around topics you're not comfortable about. This is a really big one. It's part of only sharing information when you're comfortable. 
Why? Because when we engage in conversations that go further than we like down a certain path, what we are doing is opening the opportunity for people to dig deeper into our opinions on that topic. So don't share information until you're comfortable. Don't let conversations go down pathways that you're not comfortable discussing. Number five, don't try to fix, change, or rescue people from their own actions. Good or bad. Don't try to sway someone from the decisions they are making about their own lives. Why is this part of boundary setting? Why is this part of a boundary framework when it has to do with someone else? Because, firstly, if we all engaged with a really respectful and healthy understanding that we all inherently have freedom, and we allow the people around us to engage in ways that are freeing for them, whether or not we think they're doing the right thing, whether or not we think they're making the right decisions, we have to first of all disengage with the idea that things are inherently right or wrong because unless they're ethically wrong or they're hurting someone else, people have a choice about how they want to go about their lives. But second of all, when we treat the people around us with the inherent freedoms they should be allowed as human beings, then what is likely to happen in our relationships is that people will give us that same freedom back. And that's why this is a start of a boundary framework that is really helpful in deciding where our demarcation lines are in any relationship. When we give other people freedom, they are more likely to give it to us. They are less likely to meddle in our affairs. They are less likely to think they have a right to impinge upon our decision making. Also, though, we should just let people be. A choice that is right for them may not be right for you. A choice that is right for us may not be right for them. And that's okay. That is the beauty of the world. Variety is the spice of life after all. Number six, allow yourself to feel differently from other people. Meaning, we don't all have to share the same opinions. We shouldn't feel pressured into feeling the same way as someone else. We are allowed to like the things we like and dislike the things we dislike, even if they may seem really controversial, even if they may seem horrifying to some. We are allowed to feel differently to others and other people are allowed to feel differently from us. This is that same thing about bodily freedom, personal freedom and autonomy. Unless someone is getting hurt, unless it is a truly ethical concern, unless it is something that is impacting the status quo negatively, People are allowed to feel the way they feel about topics. And the moment we stop trying to assert and control that in other people, they tend to give us the same in return, just like the point I made above. Now, number seven is a big one because it's something that is a practice. It's something we have to put into practice almost daily, which is don't allow other people to invalidate you. What does invalidate mean? It means when they respond to you in a way that says your feelings don't matter, your feelings are wrong, or I would have handled it differently, or they're there, you're being ridiculous, or you're being over the top about this. An example of a toxic invalidation response is when you share something vulnerable or a tragedy that has happened to you, and someone says, you're going to have to get over this soon, or I can't believe you're still not over this, or you're being too sensitive, or why are you still thinking about this? Now, when we have those invalidations thrust upon us, it can be really hurtful. But a really key part of boundary setting is to not allow people to invalidate you. And so to answer them with things such as, yeah, it might seem like I'm taking a long time to get over this, but I think I have to honor those feelings within myself. I don't think I'm being too sensitive. 
I think actually I'm being an appropriate amount of sensitive and I'm going to deal with it in my own time. Please remember that my sensitivity is the very thing that makes me a good human being and a loving human being to the people around me. When we learn responses to invalidation, we strengthen ourselves because no one then gets the right to invalidate us. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I used to hear this saying all the time. Nobody can make us feel bad unless we let them. And I hated this quote because I was like, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Of course, people can make us feel bad. Words matter. And I still truly believe that words matter. And of course, we feel impacted by the things that people say to us. However, I now understand the second part of that, which is we get to turn their words into something that tells our brain, I'm going to protect you from this shit. I'm going to protect you from this crap. I'm going to make sure that that person's words doesn't harm you deep on the inside. I'm going to stand up for you and advocate for you. I'm going to respond to that person in a way that gently deflects and disagrees with them. And maybe that will prevent them from saying those harmful words to someone else. And maybe that will help my brain and heart understand that I am worth protecting. I know that not allowing people to invalidate me by coming up with polite, but considered responses to deflect or disagree with them has been a changing force in my life. And I sincerely hope it can be the same for you. Number eight, this is a big one, especially for those of us that worry or think deeply. Recognize what problems are yours to solve. Why is this such a big one? Because I think we are taught as children to take upon the worries of the world and to worry about other people and to sit on problems and ponder them. And I think as adults, what happens is we don't get, nobody ever sits down with us as an adult and says, okay, these problems are yours to solve and these problems are not. However, the key part of becoming an adult that can engage with life in a really exuberant way, that can live courageously, that can do the scary things, that can achieve our goals, is to stop worrying about the problems that are not ours to solve. What do I mean by this? We all have something called an internal locus of control, and we have something called an external locus of control. The things within our internal locus of control are things we can control. It's us, our reactions, our responses, things within our care, things that we have taken responsibility for, and things we hold. The things in our external locus of control are usually around other people, other people's workplaces, other people's environments, things that we cannot directly impact. Recognizing what problems are ours to solve frees up our brain to solve the problems that are our problems to solve. And what I've actually found and what I've learned in more than a decade of coaching is that oftentimes when we are feeling plagued with self-doubt, oftentimes when we are feeling convoluted or conflicted about a situation, often when our brains are feeling jam-packed to the brim with lots and lots of information and data and bits and bits of ideas and thoughts, what is usually going on is that we haven't separated out in that cluster of problems in our head We haven't separated out what's within our control and what's outside of our control. And once we sort that out and we can decide what direct action to take about the things we can control, life starts to get a whole lot better. Number nine is to fiercely protect your personal space, your privacy, and your self-care needs. I say fiercely protect. Why? Because in our life, the world is going to spend most of our time trying to drag us from thing to thing to thing and insist, this is important, this is important, this is important. And the reality is, you know what's important? You. You're important. I'm important. And if you don't protect yourself, I'm going to 
give you a little bit of a hard truth here. No one's going to do it for you. No one's going to sit there and say, you know what, Sharon, it's time for a nap. You know what, Sharon, you need to go take a hot shower. You know what, Sharon, I think it's best you take a weekend off or a week off. Now, occasionally you're going to meet people who will do that for you. But the reality is on a day-to-day basis, on your multi-times-a-day basis, you are the person who's going to have to do that for you. And as someone who was very, very sick and clawed her way out of recovery, that is the single biggest skill I learned, to fiercely protect my personal space. To sometimes say, no, I can't have visitors, or no, I don't want your friend Andy to come over for dinner, or yes, I do want to do that, but I want to do it on these terms. To fiercely protect my privacy, because not everyone has to know everything that's going on. And thirdly, to protect my sense of self-care, to sometimes say, no, having a hot shower for me right now because I'm going through a trauma response and that's my way of self-soothing is more important than being on time to that person's dinner party. And yes, that person might be mad at me because I was 20 minutes late, but I'm going to turn up at that dinner party a much happier human being and able to connect with people as opposed to someone who is shrouded in a trauma response of anxiety. Fiercely protecting my self-care needs and my sense of self-care has also meant learning to ask for help, learning to say no to people a whole lot, and learning to disappoint people. But what it has helped me do is spend years recovering well and to be finally at a point where I feel 100% at capacity to give back to the world wholly. And this is priceless. And this means I can now be a better friend, a better family member, a better mom, a better wife, a better everything in all that I do. Number 10. This is my favorite one. To pursue your goals and interests as though there is nothing holding you back. This might seem to you like life advice rather than a boundary skill. But it's actually a huge boundary skill. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the moment you share your dreams and vision with someone, the moment you say, this is what I'm dreaming of, this is what I want to go towards, this is my big picture, someone will always say to you, really? Hmm, that's interesting. Really? Really? The really, really, really feels so outrageously rude to me. I don't know if it feels as rude to you, but every time someone doubts me, it makes me feel a bit rotten about my dream and my vision. And so... The act of rebellion here is actually pursuing your life with freedom. The act of rebellion against the naysayers, the doubters, the people who can't dream as big as you, the people who can't see your vision, the people who try to hold you down, the people who don't want you to succeed. The biggest rebellion here is to pursue your dreams, goals, and visions like you have complete freedom. Because we must draw boundaries against the naysayers. We must draw boundaries against the doubters. Why? Because they are the people whose voices turn up in our head every time we go to do something brave and we hold ourselves back because we remember that doubt and external doubt becomes self-doubt. Self-doubt becomes the thing that breaks us. And when we are broken and we are not operating at 100% capacity, then we cannot bring our gifts to the world in a great way. And that would be a tragedy, the life unlived the life unfulfilled because of the doubt. So that last framework piece, pursue your own goals and interests as though you have complete freedom, is for me a huge boundary setting thing because we must deflect away from that negativity and hold our dream and vision like it's a precious jewel and go forth and present it to the world. This boundary framework helps me every day in my life. I actually have it in my notebook 
And I refer to it all the time when I'm making difficult decisions, when I have to approach difficult conversations, when I'm sitting on a topic that's troubling me and I'm not sure why it's troubling me, when I'm having to assess whether something sits within my code of ethics or aligns with my values, when I'm deciding to engage or disengage with something or someone, when I'm trying to extricate myself from an environment that I feel isn't ideal, but I'm not sure why it's not ideal, when I'm deciding to advocate for myself or for someone I love, when I'm deciding to go bravely and courageously into the world and pursue my vision, all of these boundary frameworks help me immensely. And the reason is, it's so much simpler to have a policy in place for my life that I can make decisions on and engage with my life and engage with my environment and engage with the people in my life in, rather than sitting and mulling over every problem as though it's the first time I've encountered it. The reality is most problems in our life are pretty similar. We just have to have a framework on how to tackle them and process them. I hope you've enjoyed this one. I hope that this helps you immensely. I would love to know if you have a boundary manifesto in place. It's one of the biggest things I work on with many of my coaching clients, working out policies, procedures, and frameworks for their lives so that they can go forth and be brave in the world and have a framework that backs every process they go through in their thoughts and in their heart. If you have a boundary framework, I'd love to hear about it. If you give yourself If you design yourself a manifesto, I'd love to know more about it. Tag me, tell me about it, screenshot it, message me, all of the things. Thank you very much, everyone. I hope this has somehow given you something to think about and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening. My name's Sharon Pakir. You might know me on Instagram as The Empowerist. Please come on Instagram, follow me, tag me. If you're listening to this right now, take a screenshot add it to your stories. I love knowing where my listeners are from. And I love knowing that the podcast is something that made a difference in your life. Thank you, everybody. And see you next time.